Welcome to the Event Room, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event AV company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hi, everybody. This is another episode of Event Brew, and we are coming to you from the hellscape dystopia of COVID. So much fun to be socially distanced, uh, physically distanced, whatever you want to say. I'm just buying time so I can say my name is Nick Borelli from Borelli Strategies in Cleveland, Ohio from the country with all of the highest numbers for the best words and USA. the best ideas. USA. 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 When, by the time you hear this, we'll probably be number one in, in ways that I couldn't even imagine. Oh, I'm amazed. It's it's a beautiful thing you guys are doing there. I really do love it. This is Dustin Wessling with One West Events from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, the land of the free. We have COVID too, so I can't say too much shit about you, but you guys got so much more of it. You guys are doing so well. Congratulations. But we are more free. <laughs> well, those who are left. Mm-hmm. This is this is uh, Will Curran, who is currently having a seizure uh, and uh, touching his face totally illegally. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't touch that face. And this is 2ED, still free agent free in LA. Uh, it's an eight-week vacation. Oh, it's so nice. Oh, isn't that's it? Really what it is. Beautiful. So one of the things that we've been thinking about a lot uh, as event professionals is uh, what are what are the kind of the signs uh, that things are now here's the part where everyone starts to really look at their language you know going back to normal the new normal uh, all this other nonsense right like I, I don't care about that like what are the signs that um, people can come together again in a safe responsible way uh, and for me when it comes to gatherings like I, I've been paying attention to um, world leaders uh, realizing that they absolutely don't have any more information, if not less than many of us do. Uh, but I, I am listening to their priorities. And and it seems like, and this is either going to be uh, something that you also agree with as a priority, uh, or you're going to laugh at as a priority, or you're going to see some kind of middle ground in it. And that is um, entertainment and sports uh, as these places where people gather, where there's billions of dollars, especially in the U.S., like a fair amount of our exportable uh, economy, really, when it comes down to it, is entertainment and culture. Um, And it's driven by these gatherings, you know, like uh, people buy jerseys and wear them all the time. But really, that's to celebrate uh, sporting events, which have historically always been gatherings. Or if you consider your, um, I don't know, Mickey Mouse lunchbox is also centered around some kind of physical gathering space around the, you know, like the, the, fru- the fruition of all of the empire of Disney is in the Disneyland and Disney World experience. 
there's no way to really separate. There hasn't been a way to separate these ideas from gatherings before. Now they have been, and there's a knock-on effect. So uh, I guess for me and probably for all of you, have you have you noticed the absence of these things and how it's a f- impacted? Uh, before we get into like you know what what that means to us for an events, but have you, have you felt personally? Uh, the absence of some of these other types of gatherings outside of what we normally think of as the the quote unquote events industry aspect of gatherings. Have you felt it? Are you missing sports? Are you you know? Are you? Would you have gone on a vacation? You know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. A travel definitely, but not like I don't really feel it in sports. But definitely like the fact that like I have the urge to go to Ireland so bad right now and I can't go, <laughs> like that 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 sucks. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I would say that, you know, sports and being able to gather for sports is such a huge part of our event world and it's a huge part of I think the 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 confidence in our world and not not having them and it it definitely has had an impact. It's, you know, when somebody cancels your your 500 person conference, it doesn't make the news. Nobody gives a shit about the conference that got canceled on you. When somebody cancels a season of the NHL, sorry, I'm Canadian. When somebody cancels a season of the NHL, that makes front page news. That's, that's a big deal. And that sets into um, the psyches of the people. And that, you know, for, for so many people that are not us, that are not in our industry, the only real effects they have for events being canceled are in the sports world. How'd that sound? Tui doesn't care about sports. She just no. I, don't I love care. sports. Yeah, I've been like so sad about Tom Brady and now Gronk, but we'll talk. Like that's seriously been part of my job. It's to calm my grandmother down. She is so upset about Patriot news. But for me, I miss like the live experiences. I miss going to the concerts. I miss like that realm of it. And Will knows actually. I didn't post about it or anything, but the day be the night before so LA. I'm so pissed. <laughs> oh, so I just good. literally just today I made the exact statement about how I was so sad that I didn't get to see Perfume Genius. So, no, it wasn't it, that it was Tame Impala. No, no, but Perfume Genius was oh. opening for Tame Impala. And I was oh, excited yeah, for them yeah. all, and Perfume Genius. So but Chewy got to see him the day before <laughs> lockdown. Old boys and, over here. Look at their feet. They're like, who are these people? We'll send you some good music. No. Okay, we're gonna, you know, Coachella. <laughs> but that was Tame my Impala. last. That was my last big gathering. No one was wearing face masks. There was like thousands of people. And it was so I missed, I think I missed that. And I feel really bad because anytime people ask the question of when, um, what are you going to do the first thing you do? Like out of quarantine, everyone's like, I'm going to hug my, you know, my sick dad or whatever. I'm going to go to a food. <laughs> was that bad? It was something meaningful. People say meaningful things. I would want to go. I don't care. Okay, I would go. I would go. Let's forgive her. Let's forgive her. She has a point, which is like that. Mu- like I'm, I'm using those as examples. No, no, not music. I would go to smorgasbord. I would go eat. You'd go oh, right wow. past your sick dad. You'd go right, right to the <laughs> stage and give a high five and move a beach ball into the. I'm not listening to this episode. Get out of here, dad. <laughs> a lot of people are saying they would see their sick dads. That's cool. But for me, I've seen well, my dad plenty. 
Okay. Well, I think it brings up this good point, though, that like with sports is like, how is it going to be used? I mean, like, I think one of the reasons why this may have popped up, and I'm not sure if this uh, why it came up as a topic for us is that uh, John Oliver had this really good video all about sports and kind of detailing about how sports got into this and maybe how it needs to come back. But like it just outlined how much sports has no idea how right. they're going to come back. So like, what are the, what is going to, the scale how is was crazy. Back? They were like, they were like, if they were to bring baseball back, that would be 10. It was like, it was like 10,000 people in order yeah. to make, and that's with, with no human beings in the arena. That's a 10,000 person endeavor. Right. Yeah. So like it, it, we've just never untangled this stuff because it's so pervasive and it's yeah. so like, uh, connected that it's mm-hmm. just like amazing for us to do with the bare bones. That, that is like, the most bare bones way that we can project sports into television screens is that that 10,000 people would have to be involved in baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you compound that it's, by different leagues I globally. Think, I think it's the same number for the NHL cuz they're talking sure. about they're sure. talking about running the season in um so a couple cities. Um so there would be a couple cities that would run all the games and everybody would stay in one place and they can keep them secluded and they can keep them safe Probably. and the number of people it took to make it happen I just I just fell right on to my fainting couch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Back to the fainting couch. Uh <laughs> <laughs> you got to get one of those little fans, those hand fans. Yes. Oh my god! Uh, uh, yeah, Delta Burke style. So the uh, I'm thinking of like, uh, yeah, the idea of like, um, these are endeavors that I think that like people want to have come back first before they would even mm-hmm. consider. And I think it's it's there's both a conscious and a subconscious. But I've been thinking a lot about like what are the subconscious tipping points in order for things to go back to or I hate saying this like I don't care whatever get to a place where uh, people coming together is is a more uh, a safe and understood thing less radioactive thing I guess um, and and I think that like sports is one I think festivals fairs mm-hmm. I think are in that arena. Uh, I think concerts are in that arena. I think mm-hmm. like at Disney and like uh, amusement parks are in that arena uh, for sure. And I think that like some of the bigger, louder ones that get a lot of notice, I think that will happen is there's going to peri- be a period of time that they're going to come back in stages. Mm-hmm. And I think that like once the, there's a normalcy with that, I think that the rest of us that work in corporate uh, association, uh, trade show, conference, whatever, all that world. Um, I think that th- they'll have the confidence to like start dipping their toes in the water. Like, and I'm already seeing weddings. Uh, and I think I'm actually kind of putting weddings more in the bucket of like sports and concerts and things like that. Like, uh, in as much as it is a social endeavor where there isn't like an insurance person right. saying, don't do that, or this is irresponsible, right? Like it's people making decisions on their own to right. attend something. Um, so I'm kind of almost like now I'm kind of seeing like weddings in a way that I haven't never seen weddings. Uh, I, I've always like had this idea of like how, wh- why are weddings separate from other events, industry things. And I'm fascinated by it because like they, they share so Ooh, much that's DNA. A good observation, Nick. I, I why is it put into social? I think it's because you say it all the time, Nick. <laughs> I, maybe I, I'm, I am utterly fascinated by, by I've spent a fair amount of my time in both worlds. But like literally they're saying like they're coming out. You can have a wedding like in my state. You can have a wedding with 300 people. Right. But you can't have more than 100 people together. But if it's a wedding, you can have 300. So like at the governmental level, like from a health perspective, 
they're saying weddings are different than trade shows. They're different than corporate. They're a different type of gathering. So again, like this is another wrinkle to like my thesis of like where, you know, why weddings are different or, or whatever. Uh, and I think it's because they're life celebrations. And I think the religious component, which is a, right. a big aspect of many weddings, a right. significant volume of them uh, also plays into the effect too. Like if people are willing to like, right. there's, there's religions where people handle snakes uh, and are willing to roll the dice. Right. So this is not as crazy as that, even though those are not mainstream. The world's, the world's largest lobbying groups, religion. Totally. Totally. And they, they make their kingmakers too, yeah. you know, historically and, and continue to be, uh, they don't pay taxes, but yet they're going to be taxing, uh, I think, our uh, our healthcare system. Um, yeah, so uh, it comes down to like what are the tipping points uh, for like the events, what we classically consider the events industry. What are out there that we think that we should be paying attention to? Um, I'll, I'll throw one out. Yep. So um, one of them that like I think we kind of noticed pretty early on was like Disney. Like when Disney and Disneyland, Disney World come back, maybe, I don't know if it's a 50%, but like maybe a full. I don't know exactly what it is. But like if you think about it, this corporation, just like sports, has billions of dollars riding on this happening. They're losing, just hemorrhaging money. They have all the incentive to reopen and do this right. But they also, if you think about Disney, they also do not want there to be a headline that someone got sick because they were at Disneyland or Disney World. So they also are going to do this 100% the right way at the same time. So they are, the incentive is to open it up just like I think the events industry, full incentive to open up, less gives a shit about everyone getting sick mm-hmm. in some ways, right? But Disneyland, if they found out someone got sick, man, I would be headline news. Disney would be pissed. I mean, just think about all the stuff they just right. kind of secured under the rug. So I think like when Disneyland, Disney World reopen, that's going to be a major sign. Mm-hmm. Sports, um, entertainment, big entertainment, big public attractions. Um, what else? Movie theaters. Movie theaters would be would be. I don't know though, but movie theaters like you you control your audience. Sit here, don't move. Same that with us. Right? Same, same with events. But that's the same with no. Sports. We can put you six to, people between people. I think you have to like worry about where audience. they're gonna walk, and you can't make sure they walk into each other, and you know all those things like that. Whereas with like a movie theater, like you can be like. You're going to sit in this seat and I don't know, like, can you you imagine what fucking pylons we're all going to get treated like when we start having events again? Like, like oh, my God, I'm really looking forward to drive in movies again. Like, I love the 50s. Why isn't that live? event? Did you guys hear about Live Nation? Is it it back? No. Live Nation is in talks about doing drive in concerts. Like, if you had a dope car, that would be it already exists. It already exists. Look I, up road yeah. rave. I don't want road sit, rave. I don't want to sit rave. in my car. I don't want to sit in my car. I got no time for that. So Carnage, which is like a, de- a very a decently famous DJ, is doing a tour called Road Rave, which is a drive-in rave. Swear to God, it's in Florida and Arizona already. I can't even imagine um, the traffic. Of violations. course, it's in Florida. I just that's has enough. Yeah, and of course, yeah, for, it's Arizona. Of, Florida uh, is going to have a, a Comic Con this summer, because uh, wow. of course they are. And Florida is also another uh, last week tonight thing. Uh, Florida is also um, doing like WWE wrestling before anybody else has been. So like they're now uh, like other sports are are coming to Florida because of their ability to like not care. And even to like again uh, from that same episode, they were like I guess W was it like one of the fight leagues or whatever. Like they're literally. UFC. 
Yeah, UFC Fight Island. Did you see that? That's a- I love how he's like, oh, let's come up with better names than this. Like, let's call it instead of call like you missed the most obvious one, which is UFC. UFC. Yeah. Okay, you guys barely need to watch this episode. Everyone who's watching is laughing with us, but the rest of them are like, what the fuck? But could you imagine that? Like economies based on, uh, you know, like like small islands or whatever that don't care about, like, you know, like uh, rules and things like that. And like having Billy McFarlane start some kind of like, uh, you know, gathering like a like you know. like. So like you're t- basically talking about a, like this really cool event where everyone's going to put an orange dot on their Instagrams and then uh-huh. we're going to give out sandwiches Ooh, to that people. Event. <laughs> that event was so cool. So good. Yeah. UFC. <laughs> Anyways, um, we all watched the documentary and learned nothing. Turns oh, out. No. <laughs> no. What what yes. what else is tipping points for you guys other than cows? Um well we don't tip cows here in Alberta. That's not a good thing. You you eat them though. Oh yeah, we eat them. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we, we we kill them standing up though. Um, what's the tipping point? I do think that religious gatherings, church is opening. Mm-hmm. I think that that is going to give totally. some license. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure for religious assembly and that's going to give license to other people to open. Um, I'm not going to say that that's going to happen in a timely fashion or that that's going to be appropriate timing, but there's going to be a lot of pressure for churches to start uh, mass gathering. And I think that that is going to start to move the needle as to when other people get to gather. Um, so I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Wash your hands, wear a mask. Yeah, I think of those mega churches, and they're they're yeah. the size of like sports stadiums. Yeah, right? they're so fifty thousand like, people. They're 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 stadiums. Yeah, and and it's funny. Like I've I've always like I've known people in that world, and I've always been envious of their uh, ability to uh, create hybrid events uh, years mm-hmm. and years before the rest of the events industry caught on. So like I, I have found them to be very yeah. equipped to actually broadcast like at, at a yeah. high level. Uh, and yet, you know, again, I agree that there's going to be a lot of pressure from them because they're going to they're going to say um, and, you know, like and historically that the, the, this argument has been one that uh, a right uh, to uh, a religious uh, assembly is one of the inalienable rights and, you know, rights that people fight for, et cetera. So versus like a uh, hockey, which is probably shortly after that, if not maybe before that in certain areas, you don't, you don't fight for hockey, you fight hawk in hockey. Uh, probably both, uh, depending on uh, the, the value the of the game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I think that like that, what, what Will said that really made me think about it was is looking at these organizations that both have a huge financial interest and also are long term thinkers, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that like th- that, you know, and have like a lot of longevity and, and history behind it. That's why I really think that there there's something to be said about like city fairs. And festivals and such uh, to be to pay attention to those mostly because like they're tax based um, right. and like they have uh, see I get two, two three barks it means yes uh, uh, so I have the dogs are with me on that one um, and then I think where my dogs like, at where my dogs at right there uh, sorry clearly. Yeah. He's, no, don't say sorry to... he's a good boy fourteen out of ten it's not bad number um, one fan. Uh, I'm trying to think of like who who has pivoted to virtual uh, that would have to pivot back to right. So like I'm thinking of like 
if there's any like large institutions that have like uh, very loudly uh, gone to um, uh, like well, a, education is one, right? So college, colleges, universities, any post-secondary yep. that have had oh, yeah. to, universities had to pivot online that are now going to um, have to tell all of these high tuition paying people that no, no, you actually have to come back into class. And uh, I, I, yeah, which is going to be quite interesting because I think there's a lot of a lot of what happens in education can happen online and doesn't need to happen in an expensive classroom. I mean, I think they're going to be shaken just as much as the events industry uh, in the same way that Dustin talked about in the last episode about uh, of bad events that didn't need to happen uh, that were in the salad days of events. You know, we're going to look back at uh, everything up until January of this year is probably the peak of uh, the glut of live events, right? Uh, and when we come back and whatever we're, we're going to call that, it, it is going to be a leaner, meaner time uh, where people will have to show their ROI in a way that they hadn't before that. Similar to like what I think of in like a lot of social events specifically or just events in general in 2007 uh, compared to like 2010, when I looked at like events, at least in, when I was working on events in that in that time where there was events where they weren't really as focused about the ROI and they were just like trying to make a show, you know, like let's go big. Right. And then there was less metrics and less uh, technology to monitor the ROI. So I think that like people thought put money in and then the, you'll get a return without actually weighing it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that like the last few years there's been. Not only we've had the lessons learned from a 2008 recession, uh, there's also been the uh, the onset of event technology that's allowed us to gauge the impact of events in a, in a more concrete, tangible way. Um, but like I think moving forward, there's going to have to be a lot more you know emphasis on the tangibility. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I think whatever comes back is going to have to be uh, stronger. Um, but I think that in order for it to do that, I think it's going to have to be built upon a level of attendee trust in a gathering. Um, and I think that whatever it comes into your home, potentially, even in these in like broadcast, um, I think is going to weigh in that. So if you watch TV and you watch all of a sudden late night and there's a studio, I think that that's that's going to be, you know, an inch. And then if you see a sporting event, and you see some people in, in a half filled stadium, that's going to be another inch, mm -hmm. you know, and whatever it is to get to that foot for other people to dip their toe in the water, too. I just think that like we should all be paying attention kind of to these signs um, to determine, you know, uh, where where uh, we should be, you know, then starting to like either staff up or start marketing again. And I think that's what's really important about the idea of of looking for tipping points is that these are opportunities to not waste your money in an environment where no one's listening and no one's paying attention uh, because it, the, the, the ground isn't fertile. And then once you start to see the signs of like, OK, it's the season or I'm trying to make a, a fertility uh, analogy, uh, you know, like the sun is out again and it's warm and, you know, there's rain and whatever it is, these tipping points that we should be looking for. And once we see those things, OK, like now throw the seeds on the ground knowing that I know nothing about how to put seeds in the ground. So my analogy is probably terrible. Do you think that, that and because we're talking a little bit about sports, do you think that sports are going to be the most bulletproof when it comes to um, fan loyalty? Do you think that sports are going to be the one thing that, you know, I think of sports and I think the minute sports come back on, their fans are going to be ready for them. And their fans are going to come and they're going to go and they're going to continue to cheer for their teams. And then I think about, conferences and i think about specific ones and i go is that fan base really strong enough 
to outlive a cancellation? Is that fan base really strong enough to say, I didn't go last year and I was just, it killed me not to go. And I was, I've been waiting for this to come back. Or do you think that there's a break in tradition here that's really dangerous for a lot of live, especially conference events? That's a really good question. I agree. I actually really agree with that. I have personally skipped a year planning on skipping a year and then never gone back Mm -hmm. um, for some shows, right? Where you're like, you know, I didn't miss that. And I'm looking at my lead generation or whatever I hung my hat on as far as my uh, validation to why I did that thing habitually each year. And the reality was it made no difference. Uh, and I've I've broken tradition of of decade long attendance in specific shows uh, mm-hmm. that I have not never gone back to. Uh, so I, I'll take your point there. I think that the the main difference between um, the sports analogy and uh, the conference analogy, let's say, would be um, the idea of, of belonging and of uh, identity. And I think that potentially associations have the opportunity, let's say to bridge that gap, uh, right? Because I'm a member, I'm part of this, this is who I am, uh, versus a commercial uh, enterprise show where it's a thing that you go to because it has a strong selling prop or sales proposition. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's a there there's a great lesson to be had here, and a show that you attended, whether it be a conference, a trade show, whatever. If they come back in 2021 and they're presenting the same thing, same format, same everything, it's time to ditch that show. It's time to it's time for you to understand that they didn't learn any lessons. It's time for you if they didn't innovate, if they didn't take this break to change, then stop investing in those people because they're never going to change. Oh, my God. I love that. Yes. He spelled the T. Yeah, I I don't know how to follow uh, up. Honestly, like one of the shows I'm working on, like we had going into the planning of the show, we had a, a specific theme and organizing principle. Uh, uh, pre-COVID, it was uh, determined. And then uh, once that happened in between uh, when we were going to uh, market with the conference, we changed the theme and the uh, organizing principle because um, it's another world now. So uh, having the design and strategy for a world that we no longer are in is stupid you know like that that's you know that's just those people don't exist anymore so like we were working on this idea uh that we you know that i i I did my version of it and then i i decided i really enjoyed the process enough that i opened it up as a an exercise for a group exercise a couple weeks ago which was a storytelling matrix uh for uh telling the story of uh the attendee and one of the things that that absolutely was a huge change was the setting and with the setting change, it actually changed our tone. It changed the way we described our protagonist, uh, which then has to uh, change what is the outcome. And like when I try to you know, design for events for strategy, um, it, it really is, I, I, especially when it comes to the marketing and communication, it's about the outcome. So I, I want to know how you will be changed by experiencing this event. Uh, and I think sports has always done a really good job of mm-hmm. of telling that story because I think that there's like one of the most interesting things that I've only seen when it comes to association events and only, you know, better ones is the fact that a sports person on Monday, when the when the team wins on Sunday, they say we won on Sunday. Now, 
if I were to say we won on Sunday, uh, I, I possess no athletic ability. Uh, so, uh, you know, for me to say that I won something where I, you know, p- would be winded after walking, you know, a, a block, uh, is is a funny way to say that I belong to something which I obviously contributed zero to uh, and and don't even have the ability to contribute to. But yet I still feel a connection to that 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 falls under we very naturally. Um, and I think that if we can present our events like, you know, maybe sports or or even Disney, like a Disney person is a Disney person if you've ever met them. Uh, you know, or, you know, even a movie person, let's say as an example, like Will, right? Like you, you feel like a, such a strong, passionate connection to that, like these forms of entertainment and then where the intersection of live, I think that maybe these, these things that we're looking at as, as cultural tipping points, we should also be looking at maybe them as lessons to adopt some of their fanaticism or, or strength. So people are, you know, saying in the same breath, like our, our world leaders are saying, you know, and and I hope that we have the trade shows back, you know, like uh, th- that there would be so much resonance there of it being that communal and that um, identifiable as part of who we are. I think that's aspirational and not super, you know, as likely as like a sports team. But uh, I think that it's there's still something to the fact that these are tipping points for a reason, because these are these are uh, significant aspects of these communities. Well, that. What do you think nice. it is? What do you think it is in the sports world that that creates that that sort of that fan loyalty? What is it that the sports world does that the rest of the event world can do to create that sort of loyalty? Sense of community, like what Nick was just saying, yeah. belong, feeling of a sense of belonging. But then also, it's like this pride right? Like you are, your team is the best. Like you are the best, like USA. I feel it's the pride. Yeah, for sure. I think it's the pride. Cause yeah, like the idea that like, you know, Oh, I, I, I know that I'm a Mets fan, but like, don't hate me for it, but I'm still a Mets fan. Like people like, like, are like, I'm this thing and I don't care whether you like me or not kind of thing. What are some, what are some brands that you can think of that have done a really good job of creating that sort of fandom? Patagonia. Patagonia. I think, I think, yeah, I think clothing brands have done a really good job with it. Uh, so like here, here's a good one. Camera brands, Sony, Canon, Nikon, right? Like yeah. Yeah. DC comics versus Marvel. Yeah. Right. Like Catholicism. (laughs) That's an awesome one. I said that growing up, going to Catholic school too. (laughs) There's people that are really, you know, will will bomb a car for uh, what they believe there uh, and uh, in the face of a brand that's had a lot of uh, uh, issues with its brand are still pretty loyal to it generationally like they will pass it down in a way that is identifiable it's it's who they are it's it's in the first sentence of of that and someone with you know that is with them all the way except for like maybe two little you know, in my opinion, little differences, all of a sudden they would go to war against those people historically. Um, so like, I, I think that's the peak level of identity, uh, around a grouping. Uh, and then everything else under that is, you know, uh, I don't know necessarily like that if that's attainable for a lot of people. Um, I, but, I got a good uh, event example. Sure. Tell us. Burning man. Yeah. That's great. Like they Burning call man is burners, right? Yep. Yeah. Probably, I have, a, I have a question for everyone. Is there an event out there that you could buy a ticket to uh, that would have a stronger level than Burning Man like that? That's like a lifestyle. Like, yeah, 
It's one event that happens annually, and it's Easter. A oh yeah, they're sports all my yoga class, you guys. <laughs> I like, see them every day. Sports something that happens like sixteen times a year minimal, right? Wait, which you know, one? Sports, like oh, you know, okay, there's yeah. still like Burning Man is an oh, annual yeah. event that that a minimal amount of people come to it, and that doesn't have a name of a city attached to it. Like a lot of times, like when you when you talk about like why someone's passionate about their sport, it's because they've it's uh, glommed on to yeah. a city. Exactly. So yeah. it's like they're exp- there's no other better way to express a, a geographic uh, section of uh, of the world that they happen to be born into. Uh, and they, they, they take some sort of pride into just based on, you know, just geographic luck, uh, other than like a person kicking a ball around. Right. And like, so it's just like so arbitrary, but the fact that it has the name in it means it takes the good and the bad of it. But Burning Man is like devoid of all of that. Like it is simply a, it, it is an isolated gathering of people. Like, like we could all create that. We couldn't create a city sport thing. Right. Right. Oh my gosh, imagine all the event professionals at Burning Man. Like, it was just like a Burning Man for the event industry. Yeah, right. Could we'd you all imagine? Be, we'd, we'd no way. We'd yeah, be no. Like, you saw, you're washing someone's back? Yeah. No. Where are all the toilets? Yeah. <laughs> um, what? So, Burning Man is Burning Man is is more linked to spirituality. And, like, Burning Man is, there's... There's something there that is that is a bit religious. Am I am I right in that analogy? I don't, I, I don't think so. I think it's just a this like culture of Burning Man that exists that feels at a spiritual level. But I don't know. I just I don't think necessarily. But like I also like I'm a part of an organization that's kind of like that's a lot of the members go to Burning Man, and I don't think there's every person there is like on a spiritual level. But I think it also takes a certain kind of person to go want to be in the like. I think it's more like self awareness and like the mindfulness level. That's to me, which, is all which spiritual. yeah, yeah, like that. I actually think that you know anyone I talk to that goes to Burning Man, mm-hmm. it's like Namaste, or it's like Virgo is in Sagittarius. Oh, preach California, <laughs> preach. Yeah, oh, I would love to know like what state sends the most amount of people to Burning Man, but I have a I have a gut California feeling. for sure. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's ethos based, right? Like it's very, it's very on mission. It's pure. Uh, I mean, the, the amount of brands that want desperately want to have some kind of uh, uh, attachment to it, and they won't let them mm-hmm. to the degree that they like they felt like their brand is under fire from the demands of capitalism. Like capitalism itself, like demands that it, it exploits itself uh, in order for it to take advantage of it, yet that would be its death, right? Right. So totally. uh, it, so they, they, they're one of the lessons potentially would be the fact that they protect it from very natural things that any other event would, would kill to have the opportunity. Like if someone's willing to give any event money, um, the event will change what it is in order to fit the, the person sponsor. Totally. Oh my God. I just have to talk about this because we're talking about Burning Man. I found, I Googled most states represented at Burning Man because I thought maybe it was an article. They have a census. So this is absolutely incredible. So you guys are like kind of right. Everyone should go event professional check this out. I'm going to link to this in the description of this, but they did a whole census. What do you think the percentage of religions? So the choices were spiritual, not religious, atheist, agnostic, I don't know, religious, and deitist. I would say um, spiritual. Uh, yeah, spiritual, not religious. Fifty percent of people there. But isn't that doesn't that kind of represent the world now? Well, I don't I know. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess I would have to look at world data now. But I, I just this is very interesting. They also like 
how what type of power sources were you using? Um, my my guess is their persona is probably super pure, and I think that that's probably one of the more valuable lessons from Burning Man, is that it it doesn't try to find more people, uh, and and kind of dilute its its what it is by to grow. Which again is a thing that events do, you know, to their detriment frequently, uh, and then uh, water down their brand. Like they, I think that they, people will conform themselves to be the type of person who would go to Burning Man versus Burning Man try to change what it is in order to accommodate more types of people. So I, I bet th th these numbers are probably like really, really pure. Um, that allow again. This is probably one of the other reasons that brands probably want uh, a taste of Burning Man so much. It's not about the fact that, and this is like I've, something I've seen in events very frequently when it comes to sponsorship. You you can either offer a sponsor one of two things. You can offer them quantity, you know, just a lot of impressions, or uh, probably more valuable. You can uh, you can offer them a a one hundred percent exact type of person, uh, and if that's your person as well then um, they love sponsoring it, you know, because they know that their closing rate, you know, so to speak, Ew. would be really high with this group. So like if, if you were a lifestyle that like would basically, you know, like benefit from uh, exposure to Burning Man or being part of Burning Man, um, then you would you would kill to be a part of it. But again, like the fact that they, they, they rebuff that is unique in the event landscape. Can we do in a whole? I want to do a whole episode on this census data because this is fascinating stuff. I, mean, I would love to. The like, fact I know that they ask that question is important, though. The fact that Burning Man or that census includes religion is important because what other event can you think of where do you pull your attendees on what religion they are? So that is an important factor of Burning Man. And, and I do think that spirituality and religion is 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 one of the reasons. Why would you ask that question if it wasn't important? It's an outlier question for sure. That's a great that's a great point. Like outside of an actual religious ceremony, you would never inquire about that question. Could you imagine? Ever. Oh my God! You there be a, held a, a concert, a Kanye concert. What religion are you? Right? Like even You're, that, right? Like, but Kanye is a religion. It's an easy one. Ah, there you go. There's another one. Uh, loyalty uh, uh, by a by what we were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> wise words said by Will. Well, yeah, whatever we were talking about. <laughs> All stuff right. and things, right? Why uh, but, stuff and things. by Will. So I guess for us in this world right now, um, it it pays attention or it, it pays to pay attention to culturally significant uh, gatherings uh, in order to understand where people are at right now. In order for you to make some decisions uh, to determine if your if your organization is is in a position to uh, you know hit the ground running uh, or anticipate maybe you know growth or or, or stocking up or or what have you. Uh, but moreover than that, we, I guess what we've identified after talking about this this tipping point thing is that there's lessons learned uh, from these organizations that are um, are the ones we've identified as these tipping points. Like there's there's a reason that these gatherings have, are so culturally significant that we feel like our our regular business will come back if these ones do. I think the bigger lesson here is why don't we just act more like these or these types of events and the events that we produce in order to um, be one of the tipping points, you know, be be culturally significant. Because in, in a landscape where uh, it's going to be more doggy dog and uh, events are going to have to prove their worth more so, I think that we're going to have to prove that we're 
culturally significant, that we are transformative, uh, that we are, you know, spiritual, whatever it is, at a level that it's higher than just I always go to the event yeah. uh, because I always go to the event because uh, yeah. every everyone has taken a pause and everyone's reevaluating. Uh, so I think pay attention to these types of events uh, for, for business signs, but also pay attention to why these events are so big in the first place. Create belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Belonging has been my word for the last year. Uh, I really think that like, it's, it's one of the, uh, as far as like uh, event strategy, uh, I, I really think it's, it's the next level, um, is, is beyond experiential, you know, like just engaging things, but like making someone f- completely wholly feel like this is for them and that they're part of it. Nick, I was going to ask you, what word should belonging replace? Um, I, I honestly think weirdly experiential. Uh, I think experiential has been has been used so much it, it's worthless. Uh, and I think experiential is is at, at best the, at the design stage, but it's, it's certainly not at the strategy stage. And as a goal to make this event more experiential isn't a goal. It's just a thing that we have to do. You can't not make it experiential. What's the option, right? Just, right. So I think that like uh, the instilling That's the least we can do. It's the new minimum. It's right. not the, exactly that. It's right. the least we can do is and get this in this world that we've all gone through a, a, a lots of events that have less uh, sensory uh, opportunities that are that are by definition, I think, less experiential. Um, I think that like, yeah, maybe, uh, I think that we now can look at experience that there will be much, many more experiences that won't even have, uh, as many senses engaged, uh, and are still valid as, uh, as gatherings, as, uh, you know, events. And therefore I think that experiential as the, as the target, as, as what we're all about, uh, is, is even less valuable. I think instilling a sense of belonging and community. And, and frankly, I think the idea of a hybrid event, which has the ability to engage new types of people who wouldn't necessarily engage with your face-to-face event and, and also offering things to people who need a face-to-face event, both groups, that's how you actually get a, a sense of belonging that is a stronger community. Uh, because there's certain people who have not ever gone to Disneyland who enjoy Disney. There's people who uh, I don't feel bad for those people because I love Disney. Uh, but there's also people that are, you know, have I've known them too, have never been to their favorite sports team's uh, arena and, and watched that, them play. And they're still passionate fans. You know, they could just be born geographically distant. All those reasons, right? And I think that we, the sports world has obviously embraced those people in, in as many different ways as they possibly could. Uh, and the events world hasn't. And I think that it, it's been to our detriment. So now that we have this opportunity, uh, to say, you know, how do we create passionate fans? We do it through belonging uh, and we do it through uh, inviting everyone to the table. Nick, you killed this episode. That's so good. <laughs> yes, Nick. I would what drop my drinking? mic, but it's attached to a boom arm. Yeah, what, yeah. Were we, what were you drinking, Nick, this time? Uh, uh, tropical cherry sparkling water. See, it, yeah, I can remember. Oh it's my God. It, was, it. It, it was a non-energy drink. And yes. notice how on point it was. It's at night on a Friday. I don't... I, I will, I've had two monsters, a Mountain Dew, and, and two coffees oh today. So, like, <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, I don't but think I'm, you're fine, Nick. I don't... I'm, <laughs> yeah, my insides are probably mush, but I... Uh, yeah, at the end of the night, I, I switched to uh, uh, sparkling waters all night long. Jesus... Mm, it's a yeah 
It's a, I wouldn't wish this on anyone else. <laughs> All right, Nick, you want to take us home? <laughs> Absolutely. So if you want uh, to uh, strengthen your sense of belonging and engage with us on, uh, on the internets, uh, trying to make a connection here and call my shot, uh, the uh, hashtag to use would be hashtag event brew. Uh, in addition to that, you can email us at eventbrew at helloendless.com. Uh, eventbrew.com has all of the episodes if you want to go back and, and get you know caught up and check out a little bit more of the uh, links and things like uh, what Will mentioned today, uh, please go ahead and do that. And uh, we would love to hear uh, events, uh, especially when it comes to like uh, using that hashtag or email events that you feel are are transcendent, you know, the ones that we, we should be looking like that have a sense of belonging, that are the tipping points, that are the ones we can learn from. Uh, email us or uh, hit us up on social media because we'd love to hear about those. Uh, and then don't forget to... Uh, Tell us so we can have a, uh, a f- more fulfilled sense of belonging by uh, reviewing us or leaving us a good rating on any of your uh, podcasting platforms that you use us for. How'd that work? You did great. You slayed today. I'm so, get, I'm just. <laughs> yes. I guess. Uh, you, not, I mean, you I'm always gonna, do it. I'm going to compliment Nick like Are crazy. You? So then that way I don't ever have to do this again. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I just talked myself into doing more of the intros and outros. <laughs> I know. Yes, you did. <laughs> it's like saying, oh, you should bring your A, a game to this work today. This is, maybe it's just the time of the day, you know. Uh, it's it's evening for me. Time. So. This is a good time. Yeah, to maybe. Good, good great times. <laughs> cool everyone well say goodbye now yeah let's uh let's uh till next week till next week bye. 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 thanks again for listening to event group be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app also be sure to head to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode see you next time on event group